Welcome to Invest Like a Woman. I'm your host, Gabby Slummer, founder of Finasana. In this podcast, we'll break down money, investing, and everything in between to help you build your money confidence and feel good about your finances. So the past couple of weeks, I feel like I dropped this into every conversation I have. I have a new best friend. I have a new assistant, virtual assistant, I guess. What feels like a new superpower or at least something that I turn to every day. And you may or may not already know what I'm talking about. You may have used it yourself. You may not even never heard of it. But ChatGPT is changing my life and probably so many other people's lives too. And eventually it's actually probably going to change all of our lives. Might be getting a little too dramatic there with the impact of Chat GPT. But, anyways, what is Chat GPT? It's taking the internet by storm, it's taking the technology industry by storm, and soon to be probably the financial industry too. It's, if you haven't heard of it, it's an artificial intelligence chatbot developed by OpenAI and released in November 2022. So, it's been around probably for good six months, but obviously still quite new, just picking up steam in the the public domain. And you can think about it like Google on steroids. You have to create like a free account. And now it seems like when I go on it, you can access it right away. But at first you'd have to like sit there refreshing your computer over and over and over again, because the backlog of people trying to get on it was just so intense because it's wild. Oh God, I don't even know how exactly to describe how like insane it is until you try it. But Google tells me that ChatGPT is a natural language processing tool driven by AI technology. So if you think about your typical chatbot when you're like on your Chase app or on JetBlue or whatever it is, asking questions. And if you're like me, I'd just type human over and over and over again until it directed me to a person because it had no idea what I was talking about. And talking to a robot on the computer is infuriating because they basically just sometimes take words and then spit you back these randomly generated responses that have nothing to do with what you're thinking about. ChatGPT is nothing like that. It is legitimately the future. You're having a live conversation with a computer or robot. And since it uses natural language processing, it sounds like, I mean, obviously it's not a human, but it's not that typical chatbot that we're all used to experiencing over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years. And the way it works is that it, and I'm not an AI expert by any means, I'm I'm definitely not a tech expert, but And basically, from what I know about it, and this is probably like layman's terms, it scours the internet in like jet speed to look everything everyone has ever put into the internet. It looks for the most common themes among them. I guess the quality of the data, I'm not actually sure how it rates like who the contributors are, whether if it was something published by like Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg versus like joe123.com. So I actually don't know that, but it does do a really good job of giving you the most up-to-date, best possible information that you're looking for. Now, where it gets really crazy is sometimes I'm 
I think the more you use it, probably the better you get at like figuring out how to ask it questions, just like with Google, right? I've been using Google for what feels has been all my life. And you kind of know what to type in to get it to spit out the answers that you want. Chat GPT, you can genuinely talk to it like you would to another human and it'll keep answering you. And it looks like a iMessage screen or a WhatsApp or whatever. You type in a question and it pretty much immediately, like within seconds, faster than it takes my internet to refresh Google, types out an answer. Students are using it to have essays written for them. People are getting full blog posts and podcast scripts. Maybe we should try that next time, see how it comes out. All of these different things just instantaneously written at pretty good quality. Now, I don't think it's going to replace jobs yet. I find, at least for the silly stuff I've been using it for, we still need to read over it and like edit or use it as like a basis and go through it. But where it gets crazy is you can say like, write me a poem about ChatGPT in Dr. Seuss style and it'll do it. Right. It's just, it's mind boggling. And it's so good. You say like, write me a haiku about financial planning. Actually, let's try that. I have it up. Write me a haiku on financial planning, financial planning or budgeting, maybe investing. Let's see what it comes out with. Budgeting wisely, savings grow with each penny, secure future path. (laughs) This thing is so good. Okay. So why am I talking about ChatGPT on a podcast that is called Invest Like a Woman? And we talk about managing our emotional and financial health and financial well-being and all that other good stuff. Well, as I'm using this to literally plan my honeymoon, I'm like, chat GPT, here's my budget. Here's I want to go. Here's what I'm looking for. What are my options? And it gives me options. It's so good. As I'm using this to write my wedding vows. No, I'm just kidding. Although I did, I did ask out of pure curiosity. And it's actually kind of funny because I'm going off on a tangent here, but this is hilarious. I said, can you write me wedding vows? I want them to not be cheesy. As an AI language model, I can certainly provide you with some ideas for your wedding vows that are meaningful and heartfelt. Here are some possible examples. Anyways, why am I talking about ChatGPT here? So naturally, the question occurs to me, can we use ChatGPT to plan our own personal finances? Can ChatGPT take over financial advisors? Can ChatGPT take over Finasana? Do we even have a need for humans anymore? No, uh, yes, yes, I think we do have a need for humans. But it does beg the question, what can we rely on AI technology to help us manage our finances? Should we rely on it? And what's the best way for us to embrace the technology, embrace the changes in technological advancement and lean into it and get ahead of the curve, learn how to use it, learn how to incorporate it in our jobs and our lives. But purposes of this podcast, we'll focus on what we know, which is finances. So can ChatGPT help you with budgeting? Can it help you plan your next three, five, 10 years of your finances? Can it be that virtual friend that you go to when you need advice on what to do. And then as I'm thinking about this and writing out a plan for what to talk about today, 
it occurs to me that robo-advisors is something that financial firms have been using for a while now. A lot of them offer them, but and I'll talk about what robo-advisors are, but this feels like the natural progression forwards for, and I'm sure in time, the big banks will adopt it and figure out a way to monetize it and make it better and use it's this natural language processing simulator, I guess you could say. I don't know if that's the right technical term. Anyone listening to this who really knows what it is probably is rolling their eyes right now. But basically, I think the way financial firms could potentially use this to help people, help individuals with their finances is feeding chat GPT, a set of data sources that are vetted and they trust, and then the information spits out something that is way more tailored to the the robo advice that those banks are generating today. Also worth noting that ChatGPT today, the free version that is available online, it only scours the web web shall we say, it only has the information up to I think it's like either 2019 or 2021, I can't recall the exact date, not really super relevant for purposes of this, but it is kind of delayed. So if you ask it time-based things, so like, is my flight delayed? Why don't we just try that actually? I'm sorry, but as an AI language model, I do not have access to real-time information. So let's go back to what is a robo-advisor? I'm just going to use ChatGPT for this whole episode. This is so good. A robo-advisor is, is a digital platform that uses algorithms to provide automated investment advice and management to clients. So the platforms use data analysis and computerized algorithms to determine the best investment options for clients, which typically offers a low-cost, efficient, and accessible way for individuals to invest their money. They're usually lower cost because, again, it's based on a robot. So robo-advisors are using algorithms and advanced technology that sounds kind of at least to the non-initiated into AI technology or very lightly initiated. It sounds kind of similar. The difference is that, so robo-advisors, the way that they typically work is, and it's helpful when thinking about whether you should rely on them to understand the financial fundamentals that underpins the advice that they're going to give you. They ask you a set of questions that you fill out, and then they spit out a set of recommendations based on your input to those questions. So it's fairly formulaic, fairly generic, although tailored to you. It's kind of like I recently fell for an Instagram ad. And if you've listened to my emotional shopping episode, you know that I fall for Instagram ads quite a bit when it comes to selling me things that I don't need for the perfect foundation. It was like, answer this quiz and we'll send you the foundation that matches you perfectly. And I go through this like five minute quiz answering questions about my skin tone. Now I get emails from this company about three times a day. Robo-advisors are kind of like that. When you answer a survey, it asks you loads of loads of questions. And then at the end of it, it spits out a investment recommendation. So robo-advisors, investment recommendations based on a survey, essentially what it is. It plugs it into a formula. It spits it back out. Thinking about the usefulness potentially in chat GPT, when we compare it to that is, so the robo-advisor is going to have a set formula defined by the bank or the financial institution that you're doing this through. So one robo-advisor might give you a slightly different recommendation to another one if the criteria that 
is underpinning the model that it's running on is different. So does that mean it has a bias? I don't know if it's necessarily a bias. It's more, the answers might differ depending on the rules that the person who programmed the calculator put into it. Because some of this stuff is quite subjective. Some is objective, but some other stuff is subjective. So what are those rules? Let's talk a little bit about generally, like the the fundamentals that underpins a robo-advisor, and then we'll switch back gears to ChatGPT for a bit and how ChatGPT specifically can potentially supplement your financial planning. So robo-advisors will use a set of questions to determine your risk tolerance. And based on your risk tolerance is going to depend what your investment profile should look like and your what's called asset allocation. Your asset allocation is a fancy financially jargon word to mean your allocation of assets or where to put your money in layman's terms. So it takes how much money you have, in this case, roughly your assets, your investable assets, how much money you have available to invest, and determines where you should allocate it. So the way that it determines that is figures out your risk tolerance. Your risk tolerance is based on two different things. So you can think about it as two main characters of a story. One is your ability to take risk, which is actually quite objective, and we'll talk about what goes into that. And the other one is your willingness to take risk. So how much risk you as a human are okay with taking. And that's going to be different from individual to individual. So our risk tolerance determines our optimal asset allocation. And our risk tolerance is made up of both our ability to take risk and our willingness to take risk. So a robo-advisor typically, and actually a financial advisor is going to do the same thing. They're just a human doing it instead of a computer. They're going to ask you loads of questions about some are going to be subjective, like how would you feel if you lost all of your money in one day, or would you gamble 50 bucks to make 100? And then they'll ask you some pretty objective questions that are just going to feel like filling out a form at the doctor's office. So generally speaking, those objective questions are going to come up with your ability to take risks. So Your ability to take risk is dependent on things like how old you are, how long you have until retirement, your income, so how much money you have in the bank already, so how reliant you are on your monthly income, your ability to withstand a financial emergency, how many kids or dependents you have. Basically, it looks at kind of an objective view of what your financial situation looks like today and how much time, how much time you have. Time is a massive, massive piece of your ability to take risk. All else equal, the younger you are, the higher your ability to take risk. And the older you are, the lower your ability to take risk. The reason behind that is twofold. One is compound interest. The longer time you have, the more compound interest is going to make your money grow. And the other reason is because the economy and the stock market moves in economic cycles and you can't predict them with certainty. You might have a good idea like, oh, we're at a peak right now. Things are probably going to fall or, oh, it feels like we're at a low. Hopefully things will come back up. If they go up and down, they generally follow like seven to 10 year cycles. So the longer you have, the more 
longer time you have, the more confident you can be that if you just let your money there, the economic cycle will come back up and the chances of you losing money are lower. There's also studies that were done that it was the chances of you losing money in the stock market over a 15-year period if you left your money there and didn't do anything and didn't take it out and you just left it there, it was like 1%, like infinitely low. So the more time you have, the greater your ability to take risk. And then the other side of the coin is your willingness to take risk. So even if you make a million dollars a year, you have really strong monthly cash flow, your expenses are super low, and you're 30 years old, your ability to take risk is objectively really, really high. But what if you're just a nervous person and crossing the road without being at a crosswalk and even though no cars are coming really freaks you out and you don't really want to take a lot of risk, that's going to impact it too. So one of the biggest reasons that actually isn't like super wishy-washy, even though it sounds like this piece is a bit more like emotional is because if your willingness to take risk is low and you're nervous and the stock market goes down, the chances that your psyche isn't going to be able to handle that and you're going to sell and lose all your money is much higher than someone who's a big risk taker. So these algorithms take that into consideration. You answer loads of questions about how old you are, how much money you have, how much risk, whether you see yourself as a risk taker. And sometimes these assessments even it will include questions like, do you like skydiving? Would you go skydiving? Or do you like going to the casino? Would your friends describe you as a risk taker? Because they're trying to assess kind of your mental state and how you would respond in situations. So if it comes out that you're Ability and your willingness to take risk is high. A robo-advisor is going to suggest that you invest a higher proportion of your assets into equities or stocks. If your ability to take risk is low and your willingness is low, it's going to suggest you invest a higher proportion of your assets into bonds, which are traditionally seen as lower risk securities. I'm going to leave it there. We can pick that up another day. Uh, Last season, we talked a lot about bonds and equities. So go back and listen to some of the episodes from last season. So why did we just go through that though? How does it impact artificial intelligence and how can artificial intelligence help us determine our ability and willingness to take risk? Now, obviously you can't ask ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, what's my risk tolerance? Although we can certainly try ChatGPT. GPT, what's my investment risk tolerance? Because ChatGPT obviously doesn't have access to my information. Maybe one day it will. No, (laughs) this is amazing, actually. As an AI language model, I do not have access to your personal financial information. Thanks, ChatGPT. So I cannot determine your investment risk tolerance. Your risk tolerance is typically determined by factors such as your age. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Investment goals, financial situation, investment experience, and personal preferences. Investment experience actually is a a good one that I didn't mention. The higher your level of investment education and financial education, generally the more risk that a robo-advisor or financial advisor will suggest you take on because you're more prepared to deal with surprises or just more prepared to react to changes. 
So if ChatGPT can't tell me what my risk tolerance is, a RoboAdvisor can. So maybe one day that combination will be really wild. But it, it, just looking at it today, if it can't tell me that, what could it tell me? Well, what's interesting is when we use it to supplement our financial planning and our approach to money, it doesn't provide personalized advice, but it can help us cut through the jargon. It can help us. I feel like I'm talking myself out of a job here. No, it can help us figure out what it is we're looking for and understand some of the fundamentals of financial planning so that we can then apply it to our own lives. It can give us, it, it can kind of cut through all of the information that's out there and give us actionable, immediate responses to questions. Like, for example, I just asked it what my investment risk tolerance is. It couldn't tell me. I can say, how do I calculate my own risk tolerance? All right, it's giving me loads of information here which I'm not going to read out loud because that's going to get a bit boring, but you can definitely take it for a spin yourself because it is so incredibly thorough. But where for me at least, and I, I mean, I feel I consider myself an expert on personal finance and financial planning. I have enough certifications in it, but finance can still be a little emotional. It can also, there's a lot of topics that can be quite specific and even though I know a lot of the fundamentals, I don't always know a lot of the details. And Google is always really helpful, but ChatGPT just takes things to the next level. So where would I personally use it? Anything to do with taxes. And I don't think we should use it to be like the end-all be-all. I think obviously like ask it a question, form a basis for what, where you need to verify or what you need to verify, but it's certainly especially if you're kind of starting where you don't know where to start, which is so many of us with our finances, it gives you a good base understanding or at least base information for which to then go off of. But taxes is a good one. Mortgages, oh my gosh, so much information on mortgages, how to get started, how to talk to financial advisors, gives us just like a lot of the language that we need also basic budgeting tools, basic ways to save money. And then two other things that are interesting as we kind of the technology advances and explore it more, stock selection. There's been a lot of a lot of like Instagram memes talking about AI picking stocks. The biggest issue with stock selection is that the information that feeds it is stops at a certain date, so it's not going to be up to date. Let's actually just try asking what stocks should I buy and see what it tells me. As an AI language model, I'm not qualified to provide specific investment advice. It's important to do your own research. It is indeed. It gives you lots of factors to consider when choosing stocks. Let's see, what is a good ETF to buy? Exchange traded fund, which is also an index fund. Let's see if it gives us anything. It gives us some, okay, some popular ETFs that are frequently recommended. The S&P 500 is the first one. <laughs> and then Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF, which again, if you've listened to podcasts last, last season, we talk about these a lot. So it at least is, it starts to give you like things to research further into. It gives you a starting point. And then the other place that's pretty cool is if you ask it, so 
let's see, how long would it take me to get to $1 million investing $100 a month? Let's see if it gives me an answer. There we go. Yeah, so this is great. The time it takes to reach a million dollars by investing $100 a month depends on several factors. Assuming an average annual rate of return is 7% and not accounting for taxes, fees, inflation, it would take approximately 55 years. So it's cool. You can ask questions. You can ask this about your mortgage. You can say like, how much down payment do I need to buy a house of X and a mortgage payment of Y? Or you can ask loads of things that historically you'd have to build fancy Excel models or speak to a financial advisor. And by the way, I'm not saying you shouldn't speak to a financial advisor or build fancy Excel models just because you have ChatGPT. But did think it'd be worth to spend some time talking about it. You can clearly see how excited I am by it. And it just gives us a, yet another tool to add to our arsenal of things to help us with our finances and places to go to have answers that start to get a little bit actionable. So I could probably spend a lot more time researching and talking about this. And maybe I will spend some time on my own asking you fun questions and then report back to to you guys. But as always, I love to share tools that help me in my own finances, show a little bit of how I manage my own money. I approach asking questions when I have them and things that generally help me out. So obviously, as much as I've been using this, and I thought it would be a great thing to talk about as it can help so many people. And honestly, it's just going to get more and more embedded throughout our society and especially throughout our financial lives. So give it a whirl, ask it what you, where you should go on vacation, how to save money for said vacation and anything else that is on your mind. And I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Invest Like a Woman. To learn more and continue your financial wellness journey, visit us on finasana.com and follow us on Instagram. I'll see you next time.